everybody. You are listening to the Tough Like a Girl podcast. Uh, my name is Vera. And I'm Liz. And this is where we take a look at graphic novels and trade compila- compilations, I can talk, with female protagonists. And this time, uh, in honor of the spoopy season, uh, we will be taking a look at Anya's Ghost, um, written and drawn by Vera Brosco. Um, this is her this or was her first um her first completed book so um this was one you had put on the docket if i remember correctly yes so my students are super into graphic novels and they wanted some scary ones and this is one i came across and got without having read it so it's it's been it's not our most popular but it's been in and out of the library several times um seems to appeal more to the girls um and i kind of got the sense that there was some language in it and stuff so i kind of was like we're gonna keep it with like more the sixth grade and up crowd so there's a little language if i remember correctly yeah and, the, and the, i mean there's some some violence and mayhem so yeah i think that's that's a good age range for it so the story focuses on Anya, who's um, who lives in the U.S. Her family moved from Russia, um, and she is just trying to get by at school. She has her best friend Siobhan, who also is a little bit of a troublemaker. Anya is not so much a troublemaker as much as sort of a a quote unquote correct path. Dodger, I guess. She's not trying to make trouble, but she doesn't really feel like walking the straight and narrow. She's a little apathetic. Yeah, that, like. that might be a better way to put it. Yeah. It's it's that kind of a, I'm going to do the wrong thing just so I can feel something kind of thing going on. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of teenage angst going on. There's a bit. There's a bit. And as is natural, she has a crush on a boy who already has a girlfriend. So there's all that kind of thing going on. Well, one day she accidentally falls into a well and encounters, well, initially she just encounters a freaking skeleton. Uh-huh. Um, and then soon after, the ghost who goes with it. And that's Emily. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think we'll circle back onto some of the specifics of this, but, uh, upon managing to get out of the well, uh, Emily kind of accompanies and sticks close to Anya and they start to, they start to form a bit of a bond with, you know, some, with Emily basically getting to live vicariously in a very literal way. Uh-huh. And Anya, you know, having someone to talk with, having someone who can basically spy on people for her. And help her. And help her with, with tests. With tests. Like yeah. Yep. And things that they start out there, but then they get more complicated as more is sort of learned of the specifics of everything going on. I think I'm going to push that back and we'll give a spoiler warning before we get into that stuff because I think some of the more interesting things, at least for me, happen in the back end into what is very firmly spoilerish territory. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the overall tone, it's it it's monochrome. It's it's a black and white 
common. Well, I say black and white. There's a heavy use of gray, but uh, there's no color mm-hmm. in it. So that's very much the vibe that it's going for. And it, I mean, the fact that it has a, a quote on the front from Neil Gaiman praising it is not unfounded because it does kind of have a little bit, it feels kind of almost Coraline adjacent in, tor- in terms of mood yep. and tone, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, as I said, we'll kind of, we'll kind of put off um, spoiler specifics, but overall, what'd you think? I liked it okay. I didn't have strong feelings one way or another. Um, I think, like, what with the the things that got revealed and stuff, I didn't find them shocking per se, because I was like, yeah, I could see this happening, or like, I could see things headed in this direction. Um, I think it would appeal a lot more to me if I was like, a young teen girl, you know, and I could relate mm. better to it. But like her, like her basic de- desires to fit in, and like the crush on the cute boy and stuff. I'm just like, eh. I I didn't really, I didn't love it. I didn't. I certainly didn't hate it though. Um, I think she has the main character has a nice progression though. So I think that's one of the strengths of it. Um, without coming out being like preachy and perfect but just figuring out things by the end in dealing with this ghost and in figuring out a couple other people in her life yeah i here's the thing for something that has a fair amount of teen angst which i've complained about before it actually bothered me less here i think it has what the reason for that is um because this was laden with a lot of fine details that felt very personal and very specific. Because what gets me a lot about a lot of the angst-driven storylines is they feel overly broad. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, isn't it so hard with friends and with crushes? I'm like, I don't know. Whatever. But there's things in here that are really specific to her, you know, having lost her accent and gone out of her way to do that. And how she won't, she doesn't want to be seen with this other boy who's also a Russian immigrant, but he still has his accent. So she doesn't want to be associated with him. And there's a couple of very well done brief flashes sort of iterating Anya's fears about becoming heavier and ending up with her mother's build. Mm -hmm. And there were things that, all right, let me put it, let me try and make a comparison. It's like the difference between hearing one of those generic songs aimed at teenagers where it's all same in the vaguest possible sense, like, oh, you girl, you're, yeah, girl, you. And it's like all this vague nonsense uh-huh. as opposed to a song that's giving you specifics about what this thing is actually about. Mm. That I feel like is kind of the difference here. So even though the angst stuff I don't think was any better than the stuff where it bothers me, there was this other stuff in there that made it feel less like it was trying to cast a wide net to just connect with young girls. I think the immigrant part of it, that storyline and that part of her identity was well done. And I'm, I'm assuming it is the author's identity as well. Um, yeah, um, Vera Brosco was born in Moscow but grew up in the U.S. So I, I'm sure that that element especially is very informed by her personal experience. And you feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that gives it a lot more sincerity that I often find lacking in the in the teenage angst 
Yeah. <laughs> kind of stories. Um, I also, you mentioned it was in black and white too. And I was like, I forgot that it was. And I was like, but it really lends itself to this story, to a ghost story. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I didn't even, you know, like in other stories that would have struck me more and maybe taken something away from it. But I'm like, no, this really makes sense for like a teenage angst ghost story, figuring stuff out. It works. So. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think a lot of the supporting cast was a little bit better fleshed out than I've come to expect from this kind of thing. Like, Siobhan, we actually, you mentioned this before we started recording, you didn't even realize Siobhan was a girl until later on in the book. And and you do wonder because there does appear to be a dress code at this school because mm -hmm. all the boys are in the shirt and tie and all the girls are in the the plaid skirt, but Siobhan's in the shirt and tie. Mm-hmm. So I do kind of wonder if there's something going on there, but it's also never addressed and it's just kind of there. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's Sean, the boy that um, there's the crush on who, like, I'm not going to say he he gets layers, but there are some angles into exactly how he works. I'm like, okay, that's a little different from what I'm used to seeing. Yeah, uh, so is his girlfriend, for that matter, yeah. too. I think that was an interesting... She's one of the more interesting characters in it, and just, like, supposedly someone who looks so perfect from the outside and has it all, and then realizing, you know... Yeah. Not what it seems. I think we're just going to get into spoilers soon. I think we are soon. I think the last general thing I'll say is, like, I get the feeling that, without taking the time to delve into them, I do feel like a lot of these characters have more of a inner life and they don't feel as stock mm. um but yeah i think we do need to start getting into into spoilers i get the general impression i probably like this a little more than you did i think you did i didn't dislike it i just i was just very kind of like neutral towards it and like i didn't like some of the like banding about of like phrases where because i would see, i could see like my you know, even my fourth and fifth graders liking this, but some of the language and like that they used, I'm like, I I don't really want to hand this off to them because of that. Yeah. So now getting into spoilers. Mm -hmm. So later on, finding more, finding out more about Emily and how messed up she is. Here's the thing: I don't, I don't think the twist that Emily is not benevolent is particularly surprising. Mm -hmm. But I still like it because I think it did a really good job of ratcheting up the tension of that. Yeah. So again, to make the comparison, it's kind of like how learning that the other mother in Coraline is actually evil is not surprising. Yeah. But it's the way in which that is dialed up and the tension that builds when you find yourself wondering, well, how do we... How does this get dealt with? Not, oh my God, I'm shocked this happened, but more of, oh, we are in deeper trouble than we thought. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's too, I've also seen stories where it becomes the possessive ghost. I mean, even like going back to like, wait till Helen comes and everything, <laughs> you know? Like I, w I read, a, a, not a lot, but I read enough of those ghost stories that it was like, oh, and she's going to become possessive of Anya and she's going to be jealous and like, uh, yep, I know these beats. So I think that was more it, you know? You, you've, you've read too many things that 
this that are very are these specific kind of things? Well, not these specific because I don't think it was always you know like getting into spoilers. I don't think you know they were that evil as Emily was, but the. I'm taking over your life. You're not going to get away from me. That that I mean, not even just reading it, but it's also been done in like TV shows and things like that. Like there was a Supernatural episode about it. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, I've seen it before, and so even though it wasn't poorly done or anything, and I see what you're saying about racketing up the tension, I was just like, "Yep, okay, this is happening," kind of thing. So. Well, fair enough. I mean, if I mean, we kind of went over this um, last time with the girl from the sea. One of my issues with that was I was very familiar with those story beats because I knew Selkie stories. And so I I have a feeling that because ghosts are kind of your preferred horror genre, horror genre that you you have just and I'm not gonna say I've never seen these beats. I suspect that you've just seen them done more. Mm-hmm. Um. Than I have, which probably softened the impact that this was ever going to have for you. Yeah. I mean, I do kind of like my ghosts. Uh, not necessary, necessarily like good or benevolent, but not, not the, oh, look, it's evil again. You know, kind of thing. Like the, here is their backstory. Here's why they're messed up. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're evil. I mean, it ultimately it does get... Fairly black and white when it comes to Emily specifically. Yeah. Which I'm not entirely sure was necessary. Mm-hmm. Like we we get backstory on her to realize that, oh no, she was a terrible person even before she was dead. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think it, there could have been more nuance, like not having that be the case and just have the fact that she's been dead for a hundred years just have... And robbed of her young adulthood and yeah. everything like that. Yeah, I mean, that's actually a little more of what I've seen usually in ghost stories and not that, the, you know, they were the cause of mayhem themselves when they were alive, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, pre- it's pretty good, I think. I mean, my preferred this age's range ghost story for this time of year was still Paranorman, personally, which, granted, is a movie and not... Mm-hmm. Oh, if I'm uh-huh. gonna go like spoopy graphic novels, I'll definitely go Coraline. Oh, but I, I am a huge Coraline fan. That is my favorite Neil Gaiman, and I feel I still feel that the graphic novel was very well done. I enjoy that the graphic novel, the movie, and the book all have their own styles and like little tonal shifts and everything, and are all just though different formats all work really well for me. Uh, can I just say this? Because I, I skipped over it before because I didn't know if it was like more of a spoiler than I wanted to get into. I like the mechanics of how Emily follows her out of the well, which is yes, a, a, like a pinky bone ends up in Anya's bag and Emily can only go so far from her bones. But since one of her bones has been removed... Mm-hmm. She can follow. I actually rather like that because one of the things that can take me out of a ghost story uh-huh. is if the rules are inconsistent uh-huh. and I don't know what the ghost is tied to. Because in my mind, something has to be rooting them here, mm-hmm. whether it's an object or a location or a person. But whatever it is, it has to be either consistent or explain to me why it isn't. 
Yeah, for a simple style too, I like what they do with like fashion choices and how Emily evolves to try to look more like Anya and copy her style. And like, she's like, you're no longer so dandelion-esque, you know, about her hair and stuff. And like, I like the way they change Emily and how she just gets a little creepier throughout the book and you're like, mm, and then by the end it's like, whoa, okay. Well, I kind of like that the the turning point where like anyone who hasn't already noticed that things have started to get a little bit, wait, what? Um, is when Emily is like s smoking a ghost cigarette. <laughs> Which is something she's never done before, but smoking is something Anya does. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's just this, this little moment. There's just this look in her face. And it's like, oh, ooh. And it's a fairly simplistic art style, but it does, it does expression very well. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, the narrowing of her blank ghost eyes and like yeah considering yeah. considering she doesn't even have pupils it's just like oh yeah no yeah you... she knows how to glare yeah that that's a ghost glare <laughs> but yeah i i enjoyed it i thought it i thought it was good for the time of year and for uh i guess uh upper grade school or middle school age range due to language. Like you probably could have removed the language things and had this been appropriate for like third or fourth grade, honestly. Mm, I mean, there is definitely murder in it. <laughs> Skeleton. So I would say there's murder in the lion King. I would say Come for fourth and fifth. If you remove the language, as it was, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm sticking with six and up for this. Okay, like, fair the enough. The way it is, so, yeah. All right, so that's Anya's Ghost. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we will be back with listener feedback. Hey, Mike, have you heard about my new podcast? Oh, what's that? Oh, it's where you talk to people on your computer and then put it out on the internet. Yeah, yes, I know what a podcast is, Paul, but, but what's the show you're doing? Yeah, I'm going to talk to people on my computer and then put it out on the internet. And uh, what's this called? Uh, since it's a chat show and I really want to talk to interesting people about interesting things, I thought I'd call it something that was, you know, self-explanatory, like Dial F for Flanger. Right. Dial F for Flanger. Cool. I, I look forward to my guest spot. When are you going to have me on? Uh, um, yeah, uh, uh, I'll, I'll get back. Wow. Well, if you'd like to hear Paul chatting away on this Dial F for Flanger show, you can find it on the Waiting for Doom Network. Ah! All right. Oh, man. From Thanks. the window to the wall. <laughs> Great. Great, baby. You're welcome. Uh. Mm. So I'll do most of the first paragraph and then kind of sum it up. Yep, that, that works for me. Oh, excuse me. All right, whenever you're ready. All right, we are back with listener feedback for um, The Girl from the Sea, the last book we read. Um, the first comment is from Lizanne Oswald. Um, impressive podcast, most impressive, using the dragon type and talk software again this time. Keyboard is still in the frets. So hopefully this makes sense. This was kind of a cute story. 
And your work wasn't half bad, though they're using this Celtic myth mythology. Kind of weird that she named the protagonist Morgan. Um, just are going into the Celtic myth and don't think that would be the name I would go with. Maybe Rihanna. The story is relatable enough. The main character whose parents have divorced, the younger brother is acting up, the mother's trying to make this work, and our protagonist leaves the house to just chill out for a bit, and then finding someone they fall in love with. Though usually one's first love does not become the love of their life. Uh, there's a reason they call it puppy love. But it's a trope that's been story, so we'll just go with it. Um, neither girl looks to be even high school age, still looks past that, and it's kind of cute. So I'm going to try not to get hung up on the fact that we have Celtic myth and name the main character Morgan, and she's brunette. Um, <laughs> so then she talks a little more about um, uh, Colleen as a name, and... Um, a little bit more about Morgan and the mermaid girl making a cute couple. We get a little into She-Ra again and a little bit into the Eternals, I think. And talking about Shang-Chi, because I think we also address some of these in our thing. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, Lizanne. Yes, thank you. Um, it's, it's funny. I didn't, for some reason, I didn't think too hard on the... Because I normally I agree on the trope of you know your first love is your forever love i don't think that's healthy either but the thing is i think i'm okay with it in a lot of circumstances where i don't think it's necessarily har uh, a harsh implication that they're definitely going to be together forever just that this is really important um which i guess in the case of this story it's debatable and could go either way but I, there are some things that lean really hard on that idea, and I do, I do push back on that. Mm -hmm. But I also have an appreciation that when you are that age, whatever relationship you're in feels like it's going to be forever. Even though, you know, probably not. <laughs> and especially given the case that she's closeted and, like, yeah. you don't really talk about it. It just yeah. amps it up that much more. And, you know, magic, too. That would... <laughs> might amp it up <laughs> uh we also got some comments from brian linton he did uh reply to lizanne's comment on the name uh noting that while the meaning of the name morgan is not completely clear it seems to be welsh in origin with more being welsh for c i know this because morgan pops up as a surname in my family tree so the celtic origin of the name even though it isn't specifically irish and its connection to the scene may be the reason it was chosen for the protagonist then again the character may just be named after a friend of the fam or a friend or family member of the author who knows and then in his own comment brian said as someone of celtic descent both welsh and scotch irish with an interest in the ocean uh, fishery scientist and aquaman fan this story seems to check all the right boxes for me. I'm familiar with the Irish folktales of Selkies and like the idea that the main characters diverge from the classic formula found in those tales. So I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for this book. I may even be able to interest my daughter in this one, given her love of mythology. Thank you for another excellent episode. Thank you, Brian. If you do check it out, we hope that you like it. You know, this is kind of an interesting, realizing that we did Anya's Ghost after this, where, like, we had really a cute, sweet love story, and then we had jealousy and <laughs> destruction right after that, and also little brothers in each. <laughs> I was thinking of that, too. Yes, yeah, that as well. Yep, so there were some, there's some, 
you know, some contrast parallels. and on some parallels as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, you told me what we're doing next time, and I already forgot. It is called Cub. It is one of the um, Golden Dome nom nominees um, for this year. So another like middle age range, grade four through eight. So it's about a cub reporter. That's all I can remember right now. <laughs> okay. Well, we will be checking that out next time. And in the meantime, I hope everyone out there has a safe Halloween if you are inclined to do anything for it. And uh, hope that you are well otherwise. We'll see you in a month. Bye. Bye. Tough Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production and is presented on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Comments can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com, and you can support the network by finding Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. This particular show enjoys support from Carolyn and Brian Linton. Our logo art was created by Nick Buxom, and our theme music is by Erica Dreisbach. Thanks again for listening.